Get Animated, the anime watch-along podcast with the hosts of Get Played. I'm self-proclaimed field villain, Heather Ann Campbell. I'm self-proclaimed donkey, Nick Weiger. And I'm self-proclaimed decoy, Matt Apodaca. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Get Animated, the premier anime podcast where we're talking about Blue Lock, the soccer anime that's a combat anime that's actually a combat anime that's a soccer anime. Uh, that's a little bit of Squid Game and a little bit of... Uh, Bromance. It's a That's little true. Bromance. And that those the, that element is becoming more and more forward as we progress. Uh, this week we're talking about episode seventeen, titled "Donkey," and episode eighteen, "The Stage for the Lead." And we have much to discuss. Fuck, I loved one of these episodes so much. It's a, it's the same one I loved. Uh, we'll we'll talk about it. Uh, I think it's probably the same one everyone's gonna love. It's a it's a the, there's a there's a banger in this duo, although I think both episodes are good. We'll get yeah. to that in just one minute. But first, let's talk about what other anime slash manga slash etc we have been digesting as part of our media diets. What we've been weaving. What we've been weaving. What's up, motherfuckers? It's me, Ash Ketchum, and I'm here to ask you what anime, manga, comics. What have you been weaving? Ash arrives yeah. like he's been shot out of a cannon. It's such a good change of pace. Like it's yeah. like I don't I don't know if the language is gonna fly for much longer uh, sure. without you know some soap to the mouth or something. But I think um, the pace is good, and I, I I like that. That's it. It gets all the information out there, which is good. Well, how about this? No notes. Suck my dick. Oh shit. <laughs> Looks I like try Ash in a meeting. <laughs> yeah. Ash Ketchum, uh, Ash Ketchum went to the the succession school of speaking. <laughs> Fuck off! Fuck off! The Ash. Whoa! Whoa! Who's your yeah, teacher? What? Logan Roy. I've, I've watched that show, and I don't understand why they just go up to Logan and be like, "You're picking me, dickwad." <laughs> you're and, old. Like, shove him. What? It, yeah, you're I, old. I would say that to him. It would scare him. You know, if I'm somebody gonna, pushed gonna, him. I'm gonna rip that goatee off your face and throw fuck you with it. Oh Jesus! Good God! I choose you, Pikachu. So so Roman. That was so Roman of you. What if the end of that show is Kendall Roy? I choose you. What if it is a, a is a Pokemon? <laughs> and like, and Logan like throws a Pokeball at him. Yeah. <laughs> Big swing. I'd love it. I'd love. You know what? Not enough shows. And we'll get to what we're weaving. Not enough shows. Just change completely like what the show is. That used to be a thing. That it, it, it used to be like think with more episodic TV. They were like, "What's a? Can we do like a twist ending at the very end of yeah. our show?" Saint Elsewhere is the famous example. It's a hospital show. I I'd never I never watched hospital drama, but I do know the final episode. The final episode is like the three the three main characters, the three like main doctors at this hospital are like blue collar guys looking at a snow globe with the hospital inside. And it's just like, wait, so the, like these like laborers have been thinking, fantasizing about being doctors in a hospital that they're like, time to go to the factory. And it's like, what a, what a, what a like, crazy why thing to do to someone who's watched this show for like nine seasons. <laughs> None of this mattered or was real. Back when TV it's shows were like 26 episodes a season. So yeah. Someone's watched. Someone's. Someone's committed to like like a JRPG's worth of content, <laughs> and then the ending is like it was all a dream. the The best case scenario 
in something like that is the Fast and Furious franchise, which started off just as like racing cars, and now they're like spies that work for a shadow government. It's yeah, it's it's, great. it's 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 perfect. It's if if it, if the change can be like that, go for it. Go nuts. I love it. Uh, Matt, what have you been? We've been. Uh, mine's short. I watched the first episode of Spy Family. I finally just did it. Wow. Put it on today, and I mean, what is there even to say about it? It's great. It's so fun and so good. Uh, I think I want to watch. I'm not sure what I want to do, actually, because I'm really enjoying reading the manga. But maybe I'll just watch up until where I am in the manga and then read a little more and then catch back up with the anime. But um, it's it's so good. Something that I really love about um, the spy, like the spy genre um and the way that Spy Family is doing it is that it's sort of like throwback spy stuff, like mm-hmm. like with like just like even like the music. The right. music is so specific. Like you hear that type of music, you're like, oh, this is like spy shit. Um, brum, I, I love. They're brum, like brum, brum, brum. It's that kind of. It's it's, it's almost like uh, the Thirty Rock theme. Exactly. It's like yeah. brassy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I really love that. That just like really works for me. Um, and you know, it's like there's. As, as far as I know, so far, not a lot of high tech. The uh, Twilight is just like a guy with like disguises and skills, you know, and uh, gets all of his information like in like a dossier. That's just like classic spy stuff. I love it. I yeah, look it's, forward to- it's kind of set in like an alternate 60s slash 70s. Like if you mm-hmm. pay attention to the technology mm-hmm. that's available, which I yeah. think helps it. I, ch- I feel like like smartphones are such a. They just make they just make narrative so much messier trying to account for oh, yes, that that absolutely. anyone could know anything instantly at any time. That and also like just the way that new technology uh becomes so dated so fast. Yes. Like yeah. even even though we like even though I work in podcasting and I like have podcasts, anytime I see something that references a podcast, like in movie or TV, I'm like, God, when did this come out? <laughs> this feels so yeah. old. Yeah. Wait, they're like in a studio and not like someone's like shitty apartment. What's yeah. happening? No That's celebrities my... do this. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the uh, new new season of uh, Party Down is that the premiere incorporates two years of COVID. Oh, good. Like, oh, wow. it's like, oh, it. this is a real, this is, this takes place in a real world where this real thing happened and how it affected uh, the the catering businesses. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah. I gotta check it's that great. out. Yeah. Fucking, I, I love a Ken Marino. Let, it, let that the funniest do. man on earth. Such He's a funny guy. So fucking funny, dude. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I want to dip my balls in it. <laughs> it's funny. I was in a, I, I worked on some adult swim shows and I was in a writer's room once. We were just like trying to, to pitch on like a new season. Um, and uh, it might've been children's hospital, which, which is like Ken Marino was on it, but, yeah. but it was, you know, he was just like around those, those offices and I remember we just came into the room once and like just started dancing. <laughs> and we were just like, that's funny. And we were just like laughing at this guy just dancing. <laughs> that's fun. I love it. Everything he does. 
He's the fucking King Midas of comedy. Yeah, it's great. It's great. <laughs> uh, that's I, that's all that to say. <laughs> that's what I was. I, what I was. We've been uh, spy family. I'm all in. Yeah, great show. Good work. I, I really liked it. I'm glad, glad you're watching it. I also I, I do I have one follow up question because last week you talked about how when you're reading a manga, reading a comic, reading anything, you're putting your own voice into these characters. How do you feel like the voice work? syncs up with your concept of the characters. Oh, so I'm glad you brought this up because I sort of had a r- realization um, when I said after I said that. Yeah, because I'm watching the sub, so it doesn't help me anyway because I read in English and I think in English. Mm, sure. <laughs> so the voice doesn't help. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then I, I, it was one of those things where I was sort of like, I almost like. I, as soon as I said it last week, I was like, "Why did I say that? That's not gonna work." And then just like didn't say anything about it until uh, until just now. I just had a massive revelation about the future of subtitles and dubbing, mm. which is, I bet we are no more than three years away from a dub using an AI version of the original voice to create an English language track. Whoa. I, I so think like, you're probably right, and that's really grim. Keep going. So like, you'll yeah. be able to hear Evangelion as voiced with the original voice actors somehow having flawless capability to execute in English. Yes, and, and the timing massage so it syncs up with the lip dub. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a if if you even need that because you because AI can do lip flap. That's true. Maybe that just gets gets massaged Fuck. as well without what a nightmare we're about. Oh, it's really we're bad. So close. I, we're so I, close. <laughs> it's really truly bad. Um, and you know, not even on the top one hundred of worst things happening in in our reality. But no, it's like that. That's one of those things where it's like like oh, technologically it's kind of cool, but it's just like now we're eliminating a bunch of jobs for actors, not just in English, but in like every, every other language. language. And yeah. honestly, probably the non English ones are more likely to go because those are smaller markets. So like that's like the these underserved markets that uh, you know uh, for languages that are not like a, a, as big or that those are the acting jobs that go away first. The other thing is that that the original voice actor is not going to get any extra money nope. for their voices being AI modulated. AI and I bet, I bet once you have signed with a production company to create the voices for that show, you'll be pressured into licensing your voice for an AI sh- version of yourself in case they need to do pickups. Right. Like it's like, so you'll, so they're like, ah, oh, this scene wasn't working. So we had to redo it and you won't get fucking paid for any of that. Yeah. And then they'll just use it, that same AI. So you don't have to do the lines for like a commercial using the characters yep. or whatever. Or it, it is crazy that this is one of the worst things, and it's like the like ninth worst thing about our world. <laughs> it's, it's, like not, it's not even no, chart. It doesn't close, chart. Yeah. It's like it's like oh, uh, you know, side side note to yeah. fascism and uh, yeah. climate change and right. uh, rampant disease and uh, global inequity. Uh, there's also uh, a, a a really really speedy singularity style acceleration of AI that is also going to create uh, rampant falsehoods in yeah. all media and take away jobs. 
it's 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 the thing about it too is that like you hear you, you like in history there have been time there have been periods of time where uh technology has advanced so rapidly but i feel yeah. like in our lifetime it hasn't happened at that quite of a like that quickly of a pace like over 20 years is still like a lot of time uh, or it's still like a pretty quick time for like the internet and cell phones to be like where yeah. they are now and stuff but like this technology this ai stuff is like pretty new and and yeah. in 3 years it's going to ruin everything like that's really fast that's the really accelerationist uh thing that uh we've been hoping for we we are we are living inside of an anime yes also but the, it's, but the it's acceler- not good no it sucks. it's not well, they all no. they're all they, i mean every anime has some pretty horrifying ramification like very few yeah. of them unless it's like fruits basket you're like not you, you don't want to actually live in these places also this all this all reminds me of the like for the first time we fly to the landing on the moon in 66 years and that is such a short amount of time yeah like that feels to me like the first home computer is 1980 or 1979 and now i can say to midjourney Hey, what would it look like if Donald Trump had a big donkey dick and a and a and a and a dog's face? Yeah. <laughs> uh, send me that result. <laughs> what were we talking about? What are we? Oh, well, what Matt we was talking about? about Spy Family, and he was talking about the voices that he hears yeah, in yeah. his head while he's reading, and how that's is or isn't affected by subtitled anime. Yeah. And then we got into the AI thing, and now uh, I guess Donald Trump has a donkey dink and a and a, a dog face. But Heather, what are you weaving? Uh, what am I weaving? Uh, it's been a it's been a brief week for me on weaving. Uh, I can say in very quick terms, the thing I've been weaving is refreshing the premium Bandai website, which is where you can pre order Gundam kits that are going to come out in in a you know in the future. Uh, and there is a a model kit from Gundam Narrative, which I recently finished, called the, I think, Two Neo Zeong. And it is, uh, it's something I've saved up some money for. And it, when completed, is more than two feet tall uh, as, a, as a robot model kit. Yeah. Uh, and uh, wow. the pre-order goes live today. I keep refreshing the page because I don't know what time zone this is. Mm. Uh so I don't know when it's going to go live and it will ship in uh, late, uh, late September of this year. So that's how far out you have to pre-order these wow. model kits. Uh, and so I'm, uh, I'm really excited at the possibility that I could get my filthy little grotesque weeb hands on a Neo Zeong narrative version and build a two foot. T- I mean, like I can, that w- that's going to come up to my shelf. Yeah, that's a toddler. Yeah. Have I shown you guys that picture? I don't think so. Let me throw that in the chat. Let me let me show let me throw that in the chat. It's a picture of Trump with a donkey dick and dog's face. (laughs) (laughs) Make that my wallpaper. (laughs) Here's here is the size of this kit compared to a uh, a two year old child. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's upsetting. Like a, yeah, yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's literally the size 
size of a child. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're seeing HG2 Neo Zeong versus two-year-old baby. And the baby is towered over by the Gundam. <laughs> is it a video of the fucking Gundam just like destroying this yeah. kid? <laughs> Shit house in this baby. <laughs> That's so funny. But the baby yeah. is also like, what the fuck is this, dude? It's it's I think it's the largest kit they make. Uh is really the Neo cool. Zeong. And this is uh, this I'm is really incredible. Yeah, this really is also excited. reminding me that our pal Zig, Cody Ziggler, is in Japan right now and he went to where the big Gundam is. And I've like never been happier for somebody in my life. I was like, this <laughs> is great. <laughs> I'm glad you got live, to go. That's awesome. Live in the dream. Live in yeah. the dream. How about you? What are you? What are you weaving, Nick? I've got a new volume of Junji Ito. Oh, titled Remina. Uh, I, have you read? Have you read this, Heather? I, I this was new to me. Which one? Remina. Show me the. I'm no. I have not. This is yes. So I'll show you page one. I, I've just been re- getting started reading. This. this is a comparatively slim, like 250 pages. Versus like Tomie and Uzumaki, they're both like eight hundred page tomes. But like, this is how things start off: <laughs> woman being crucified, <laughs> Jesus Christ, while the apocalypse happens in the sky above her. So it's really basically the story of this one, as far as I can glean, is that there's like a a scientist who discovers a new uh, planet, and it's just like, wow, there's this new planet. This is this amazing astrological. Uh, or astronomical uh, discovery, and he names it after his daughter, and then his daughter ends. It, this l- like starts off a sequence of events that leads to, uh, you know, the rapture taking place on Earth, and because this planet is linked to it, and because the planet is named after the girl, uh, the that she gets blamed for the ruination of the Earth, but then also apparently there's a layer of as you progress that po- possibly she is. To blame with it, so it's a little bit more like sci-fi uh, than some of the the you know, more just like overt horror uh, manga. That's a lot of uh, uh, of Ito's better known work, but it is really cool. And I'll also just say, I love me a fucking hardcover volume of manga. Fuck, I wish yeah. there was like a nice like hardcover Akira collection. I don't know why that doesn't exist, or maybe mm. it does exist. And I don't know about it, but yeah, just just give me that nice like. Yeah. Hardbound. I mean, maybe I'll read all of Berserk at some point, just so we can have all these these hardbound Oof. bibles Ooh. of manga because they're such nice pieces of uh, just nice shelf pieces. I've got that Berserk collection, and it is wow. my pride and my joy. That wow. fucking rules. There are these really nice hardcover um, Full Metal Alchemist books that every time I see them, I'm like, I want, I want them. But there's like twenty six of them or something. I'm like that's just. Yeah. I always think when I see something like that, I'm always thinking about, well, I'm going to move someday. I'm going to. That's ki- the thing. Yeah. Like yeah. we live in apartments. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, if you live in an apartment, at some point, the thing you want has to be weighed against how much space you actually have in your residence. Yeah. It hasn't stopped me from taking my Guitar Hero and Rock Band uh, stuff from place to place <laughs> that I've moved, but. It, it, it's something I think about constantly because the books are so nice. I'll send you guys yeah. what they look like. They're they're really they're they're gorgeous. I'm looking for this is this is what I I want now. I want like a fucking really nice hardcover Moby Dick. 
Just, wow. just, just give me like a fucking because it feels like the those some of those classic books. It's like it's only available in those trade paperbacks with that super tiny like six point font, and they're 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 cheaply bound and they fall apart. And it's just like give me that fucking. I just want a I want a big boy. I want to, I want something that's that's got some heft to it. That's reminding me that there's this movie. I can't remember what it's called, but it's um it's some like bad um like Jennifer Lopez movie. Uh, and she like dates this like young guy, and he's like a creep. It's like a s- sort of like thriller kind of. I think and, I've seen this. And at one point, he gives her like a really nice volume of a book, and she's like, "Wow, it's a first edition." And it's fucking Homer's Odyssey. Yes. It's like, I remember that. So this book's like fucking 800 years old. You have this artifact. Predates the existence of book. Yeah. It's so fucking funny. Like, just like, what a mistake that is. Like... This priceless thing, like who fucking gave this to you, Jesus Christ? This was hand lettered in yeah. like Latin. Yeah, in a language nobody fucking speaks. That rules. I love it. It's so. I, yeah, I think it's so that funny. just reminded me of that. But like, just like uh, obviously, Moby Dick is a more contemporary book than Homer's Odyssey. But um, just the idea of that uh, made me laugh, and I, I was like, I got to share that. Uh. It was the Iliad, and the movie was the boy That's next right. door. That's right, yes. which I have seen. Wow. Yeah. Is it good? No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they, uh, okay. they, they, they all can't be. But anyway, we're we're, we're yeah. far off track. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about Blue Lock episode seventeen, Donkey. So we're picking up the game from the last episode. Team Red is up one zero over Team White. Isagi has the ball. All the pieces are in place. He passes to Barrow. Uh, Barrow gets around Mikage, or I'm sorry, Isagi gets around Mikage. He's waiting for the return pass. He's like, I'm fucking open. Barrow's like, I'm keeping the ball, which leads to Kunigami stealing it. Kunigami gets free. He scores, and Team Red is up 2-0. So now they're in an even deeper hole because of Barrow's stubbornness. I want to say that there's a trope in this show that I love, which is that a hero can outthink people. And this yeah. is often applied to anti-heroes like uh, Lelouch of the Rebellion or mm. Kira from Death Note. You get these guys uh, who who their power is like concentrating really hard, tearing the world apart in order to assemble a plan. And I and this is the first time I think I've seen that applied to a non-psychopath. And I'm <laughs> loving it. I'm fucking loving, like I want puzzle pieces to fly around my fucking head. Well, I'm like trying to solve a problem in a script. Every time I see it, it looks so cool to me. I, I've never it's amazing visual. I, I love it. I'm not sure if I'm ready to characterize Asagi as a non psychopath. I think of anything, this show seems to be like or like the at least like the 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 idea of the exercise seems to be like endorsing like a psychopathy in, in order to, 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 to you know just that that that's what motivates everyone to be the best uh but but i do get your point that he is the hero of this show uh so nagi's pissed off borrows like you gotta pass it he's like you gotta pass it dude like we gotta pass it around it's our only chance we're gonna win what good is it if you're just gonna score goals and we're not gonna win uh, we're gonna lose borrows like i just don't i don't care winning doesn't matter unless they're from my goals and asagi is like okay there's just no way to get a chemical reaction with the uh, with this dude. The game's going. He can pass it to Goparo, but he's like, there's no goal to be have. But then with Nagi, he's like, I know Nagi now so well. 
I've like gotten to, to a sense of his playstyle that I can anticipate all the possible moves he can make, and that gives me endless possibilities for goals sending a ball to Nagi, which he does. Chigiri is marking Nagi, and Chigiri is super fast, of course. Uh, so it uh, so he uh, so he gets the ball to Nagi in a point where Nagi's like, it doesn't matter how fast you are, you can't suddenly go backward. And this is a really cool, nimble move he does. Mm-hmm. He just kind of kicks it to himself backward, uh, flips around. Shigiri is uh, is shocked and has no way of countering it, and then he's free and he's able to score to put them on the board. It's 2-1. So this all leads to Asagi being like, look, we the two of us have a chemical reaction, but if we don't have one with uh, Baro, we're going to lose. Yeah. Baro still doesn't care. He's like, I win how I please. He doesn't want to pass. He just wants to score goals his own way. And Isagi's like, "You're, uh, dude, what are you doing? You're throwing it all away. You're wasting your potential, which Baro interprets as you are telling me what to do. And we are both egoists and we should be pursuing what we are, what our hearts tell us, what our heads tell us we should be doing for ourselves. So we're at a total impasse. It's, How are they going to get past this? I, I, it, well, this, this is my favorite, always my favorite intersection in any of these episodes is... Mm-hmm. What you're trying to achieve is impossible, and I know they're going to achieve it. And I'm like, how are they going to do it? Yes, <laughs> I borrows being such an ass. Yeah, but it's so funny. Yeah, don't tell me what to do. Yeah, <laughs> calling everyone donkey all the yeah, time. Donkey. So the game keeps going. Mikage has a moment where he, he confronts Isagi, and he's basically like, "Why, why did Nagi choose you over me?" He's still dealing with that. He's still grappling with that. Uh, and Makage is, uh, in the midst of this, is able to control the whole field with his passes. And this is where Asagi is like, I see what Makage's weapon is, what his his special skill is, that he can just do everything. He's just at a high level at everything. He doesn't have anything he specializes in. He's the ultimate generalist. And as such, he's just basically able to dictate where everyone is on the field at all times, uh, which leads to Makage getting the ball to Chikiri. Chigiri is marked by Nagi, uh, and uh, he's like, you know, I'm not Baro, and and he's able to, you know, he's not stubborn like that, so passes it to Kunigami, and Kunigami gets it into the net uh, with a header. It's 3-1 Team Red. I was a little worried at this moment, because I was like, oh, 3-1. Wait, is this episode going to end with our team losing and Isagi getting chosen? Like I, thought I, a, yeah. I thought there was a world where Nagi was going to go away. And I, I thought I mean, there was a possibility that they that they went in that direction or that they were like, they they take Nagi and now it's the Sagi Baro yeah. uh, 2v2 and, you know, that that's a whole thing. Anyway, this leads to the previous uh, episode, sort of like a like a, a thought on that, which was Naru Hayab talking about gen- being the genius of uh, adaptability and Asagi realizing his attribute. And he's like, well, you know what? Baro won't listen to me. So you know what I got to do? I got to devour Borrow. <laughs> Love it. He tells Nagi, the two of them, just me and you, Nagi, we're going to win. And we have this long sequence where Isagi's going downfield. Other team is marking Nagi. Isagi goes to set up Borrow. Borrow redirects Kunigami toward him. But it was all a ruse. And Baro thought that he was going to be set up. But it was actually Isagi was using Borrow as a decoy so he could score himself. It's 3-2. Team White is still in it. And then Asagi calls Baro donkey. You're the fucking donkey. This was a decoy to me. That, I, 
I loved that. <laughs> <laughs> like just to like, because it didn't seem like he was that hurt by it when mm-hmm. he when when Baro said it. And then he's like, but he, but just the idea that he was like, I'm still thinking about this. I'm gonna say this to him now and fuck him up. <laughs> it's so rooted. I love it. We've all love- been around. Go on, Heather. Barrow's eyes get smaller and smaller and smaller every <laughs> yeah. time these things happen to him, too. He's like, ah, ah! <laughs> it's really funny. To, it, it's similar to um, what, Nick, what you were saying uh, in, a, in, a, in a recent episode. You said something about it's really funny when an angry guy gets angry. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. So, like, to see him get mad and he's like already pissed off is great it's 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 good (laughs) he's fucking pissed yeah there's also just an element this is such a huge thing and and i mean we see we'll encounter in our field people will counter it in whatever field they work in it's especially prevalent in sports among men Mm -hmm. uh is just like the the alpha bully type who only respects somebody if you bully them back it's like the, and that's the only way that he's able to kind of eat, get anything out of Barrow is just to sort of stand up to him and tell him, like, fuck you. I'm not the donkey. You're the donkey. Uh, anyway, you're just a decoy. Red Team now has the ball. Not that he has his respect. Barrow is fucking pissed and still not on board with any of this. Red Team gets the ball. Mikagi passes to Chigiri. Chigiri gets it to Kunigami. Barrow steals it and he takes it downfield, but he ignores all his teammates. He hasn't learned a fucking thing. <laughs> and so Mikage and Kunigami get the ball away from Barrow. But Isagi knew Baro was going to keep it because he anticipates everything and he he sees the whole field at once and he saw what was going to happen. So he gets the ball, knowing where it was going to go, gets it to Nagi, who's free, and Nagi scores and it's now knotted up at three apiece, gets the equalizer. Which Baro's like... Ah, ah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I wasn't so, gonna pass it. He took it anyway. <laughs> so fucking angry that uh, that they're winning, that they're they're scoring goals, but without him. So Chigiri is like, okay, Asagi knows everything we're gonna do. He knows all our moves. He's gonna shut us down. But you know, I am really fucking fast, and this leads to Chigiri evolving on the fly. Chigiri knows that his speed can't be maintained when he's dribbling, but if he does a first touch, and there's a name for this move I meant to write down, but he, it's like first touch dribble or something like that. Mm-hmm. He has like, there's like a special move that he does where he, he just basically pokes at the ball with his foot and then, uh, and then that lets him stay in front of Nagi while still keeping control of the ball. And so he's able to do that. He avoids Barrow's attempt at a tackle and then he scores. Nagi's like he's evolved as Team Red goes up four to three. So that's basically what transpires this episode. Just a lot of back and forth uh, in terms of scoring goals. But it feels like the main thing that happens dramatically and consequentially is Asagi realizing that he can use Baro as a decoy and Baro being a little bit uh, emasculated for the first time mm-hmm. and challenged for the first time. And so it's 4-3 Team Red as we go into additional time. Yes. Uh, and this is where, just to tech check in with another squad, this is Raichi and Gagumaru, who I think are both on Team Z and one of the Wanima brothers. Uh, and they're, they're trying to guess what Junichi Waniba is saying because he used his brother as an interpreter, so he only talks in gestures and emotions. I think it's funny when they're like, you know, they're they're like, where's the sushi? Where's the samurai? They, they keep thinking like he's asking questions a tourist would ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
Then he then Junichi like just starts talking and is like, "Look, we all got all these complimentary attributes. We'll make a good team." They're like, "Hey, you're right. Kind of wholesome. That's just nice. Wholesome yeah. little skit. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Good episode. Kind of an episode that's just like a, a, a little bit of a transitional episode. I feel like into the next one. Yes. Which, I, which is more the main event. Uh, but any other thoughts on episode seventeen, Donkey? Before we move on. No. Nah. Donkey. Donkey. Should have said it like that a little bit. That would have been good. Yeah, and maybe maybe Shrek could have been in the episode. That's kind of my big note. There was no Shrek. Fun. <clears throat> have they ever done like a Shrek, like a Shrek party game? Like it feels like Mario Party with Shrek characters is a home run. There, or, ha- or I like, think that is. I think it's there is a. I think there is such a game. I think Shrek Soccer. I was just thinking if they did a Shrek Soccer game that was like Super Mario Strikers. That's a good use of that license. It's called uh, Shrek Super Party. Okay. An ogorific party game for up to four players. Shit, I gotta check this thing out. <laughs> I mean, it's ogorific. There's also Shrek Super Slam. Oh, like a wrestling type. Yeah. Man, we used to be a proper country. <laughs> Shrek was prevalent. You could do Shrek anything. And now... We don't got no Shrek, we don't got no jobs, and we don't got no cash. This is, I'm just, I'm, I don't want to be too sucked into this too much, but so they they had originally made a, a, a ripoff of Mario Party with Pac-Man, mm-hmm. uh, developed by Mass Media, published by Namco, and it's called Pac-Man Fever, uh, named after the song. That's, yeah, home and, run. But it's got, the characters are... It's Pac-Man, okay, Ms. Pac-Man, sure. Yeah. Tiger Jackson from Tekken. What? Reiko Nagase from Rid- Ridge Raker. <laughs> Astaroth from Soul Calibur. It's just a bunch of different Namco franchises, uh, but really totally doesn't doesn't sync up with Pac-Man at all. Uh, uh, anyway, that that, they made that game, and then Mass Media was like, well, shit, we've already got this engine, we've already got this format, let's just make a fucking Shrek game that's the same game. So it's basically a reskinned version of Pac-Man <laughs> Fever, which was already a ripoff of Mario Party that's, with a Shrek license. That rules. That's that, very funny. That and to me, reskin any game you want and put Shrek in it. <laughs> I don't care. I'm Elden Ring with Shrek. Let's go. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I'm sure that mod exists. <laughs> I think. I think the first thing anyone does uh, when they uh, when they mod a game is they throw Shrek in there. <laughs> they throw in Shrek and Kratos. Like, yeah, you just gotta have those those two things have to be in every game. I love it. All right, let's talk about episode 18, the stage for the lead, which is a fucking banger. Oof. Heather, this uh, you you texted this was awesome before I watched it, and it's then I watched great. it. And I was like, oh my god, this one's awesome. Uh, we're picking up with continuous action with the previous episode. Team Red is up four three. They're one goal away from victory because it's first to five goals, and then we get into Barrow's backstory, and this is great because this dude is just a fucking <laughs> straight psycho. Um, <laughs> He's he's as a kid, even as a kid, he's kind of scary. He's called t- King by teammates as a youth, but he's like, I never understood how anyone could be fulfilled as part of a supporting cast. Despite all these people giving him praise and accolades and being his teammates, he's basically like, these people are pathetic and worthless. I don't understand. Why would you want to even play soccer if you're not the star? Why would you want to support someone else? Or why would you want to have a smaller role in this story? And he explains that what drives him is not being the king. It's not the fun of playing soccer. It's, I have this quote here. 
grabbing someone who dedicated their life to football and dragging them off the stage with my goals. He uh, basically, what he loves is just just completely humiliating people who have dedicated their lives to this this sport and just sort of being saying, like, you're up against me, you're not good enough, this has all been a waste for you. Incredible. Let him live. <laughs> yeah, let him cook. Let, 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 he's... <laughs> True psycho it, shit, but I love it. It's I would love. I mean, I get. Well, never mind. I was gonna say I would love a, to hear a president say that, but I guess we've already kind of had that president. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Biden. <laughs> there are. It, it. I will say it does feel like there's a streak of competitiveness in sports where it's i mean this is this is like a michael jordan thing where it's not necessarily it's not as much about about winning although it, there is a single-mindedness about winning but it's also about like just like humiliating your opponent just absolutely like it, it, what it's ultimately about is a demonstration of dominance like i can dominate you and that's what borrow seems to uh get that's where borrow seems to derive joy in this exercise so so we're back to to, to real-time action isagi and nagi are trying to figure out the next possession and Baro, hot off his flashback, hot off this bit of introspection, just takes a cr- direct shot from the kickoff, <laughs> which is fucking awesome. It's great. Everyone's like, holy shit, it hits the post. I thought it was going in. Uh, Kunigami gets a rebound, pass it to, Misa- to Mikage. Uh, Isagi saw it. He steals it. We get the loose ball. Everyone's like, loose ball. Holy shit, it's a loose ball. Which also, I al- also uh, uh, yeah. Wait, it's it's four four three at this point. Is that right? Yes, it's four three. It's four three. So he, he in attempting this goal, he just gives them a turnover, like at yes. the worst possible time. Yeah. So there's a there's a there's a, a yeah. The, so they have the ball. Kunigami gets it to Bakage, but Asagi he sees it. He steals it. Gets it to Baro. Uh, Baro sees Chigiri catching up with him. He's like, "Fuck, this guy's fast. I won't have time to get a shot off." So. And this is the thing. His instinct takes over. He passes it to Isagi, despite himself. Like, oh. He doesn't even know how it happens. <laughs> and it's tied at 4-4. But Baro is devastated. He, He's just like, I just, so uh, yeah. <laughs> his feeling He's it, a beefy dude. Yes. Who's like, what? How did I pass? What happened? <laughs> He's like, I lost. This I lost to Asagi. My teammate, I'm competing against him. Uh, and uh, by getting him the ball, by passing him the ball, he ultimately won this interaction. And that means that I feel like I failed. So that's where we are. We're not up at 4-4. Team Red is strategizing. They're like, if we get a, if Asagi gets the ball, uh, that he's going to take over the field because he's got it all figured out. So we just need to score from the jump. Our best move is to keep the ball in our possession. Uh, and set someone up for a goal, and you know Chigiri's the fastest, so he's going to go for it. Uh, Isagi has a plan, and he kind of figures out, he's like, I think I know what they're going to do, I think I know how to defend it, he's strategizing with Nagi, Nagi's like, I'm on board, uh, we should tell Baro, and Isagi's like, <laughs> oh, there's no reason to say anything to a dethroned king, as Baro's just over there sulking completely out of the game, and so it's just up to the two of them. It's I can't imagine even uttering something like that in proximity to somebody the size of Barrow. <laughs> <laughs> the the chance that he could hear that is devastating. 
So there's this really, this this leads to a really tense and complex sequence that I won't try to give the full play-by-play for, because it's just, there's so many beats of it. But long story short, Isagi and Nagi, their strategy is they were playing their defense as a feint to goad Mikage into, the ball ends up with Kunigame, gets to Mikage, uh, and, and it sets up a situation where they're defending Chigiri in a way that Mikage will make a specific pass that Nagi can then make a high-risk play to intercept it. So when Makage makes the pass, Isagi is like, congratulations on doing exactly what I wanted. And Makage is like, what the fuck? And Nagi goes to intercept it. And it's such a risky move because if he doesn't intercept it, which he barely does, Chigiri just has an open shot at the goal. And Makage is stunned that they made that risk. Mm-hmm. He's stunned that it's basically like this is that this could have eliminated you, and you still took that gambit. You still made that gamble um, because Chigiri definitely would have scored. So Nagi gets the ball, steals it just barely by the tip of his shoe, passes it to Baro, and here we fucking go. <laughs> Baro is like. <laughs> I this is the, the I I gotta give the show credit because again I I feel like I like oh I kind of figured it out I know where yep. this is going <laughs> yep. again and again I feel like I've got it here I feel like oh Baro has learned at this point yep. <laughs> he's learned that he's got to be a part of the team yes he knows that what's ultimately important is them succeeding as a group not him as an individual Baro's like the, this, and it even goes yeah go on this is the the one of the I mean like I've done it a couple of times in the show but I just was cackling and yelling, holy shit, at my television. <laughs> I was laughing out loud through yeah. this sequence. Baro, and it's even set up where Baro's yeah. like, the field is shining for Asagi's goals. And you know what? I see Nagi's goals too. But I feel defeated as a supporting player. And you think like, oh yeah, but he's going to rationalize it. He's going to figure out, but you know what? Supporting is part of victory. He's, he's, he also is like, this is what everybody else has felt like. Yes. All the time that I've been playing soccer, it's yeah. this feeling <laughs> of he, being a supporting cast. He might as well have literally said, "Nah, fuck that." <laughs> yes, I I love this. There's a flash forward of of the World Cup happening on TV with Japan and Asagi succeeding, and, and Baro's watching it with a beer. Couch. He had drunk on the couch by himself He's like, in the this dark. Is my future, yeah. <laughs> entrusting the goal to them is escapism a loser's excuse and this leads to a really dazzling animated uh, sequence where there's all these chops that he's doing this acute angle dribbling he's single-handedly navigating through the down the entire length in, of the field avoiding every defender in darkness in like darkness he's engulfed in like shadow and blood <laughs> with like yeah with like red lightning well that we yeah we didn't talk about earlier like when he's about to go and he's got all these hands reaching mm. over him and like holding him back and and he's like being restrained <laughs> by a bunch of of ghoulish appendages and then when he breaks out of that and then he's got like red lightning that's coursing around the field charting his uh, you know his course that no one can track and everyone is as astonished as as what's happened at what's happening he uses sagi as a decoy now T- turns the tables back on him and asagi is like wait borrow has devoured me and asagi sees this team's chemical reaction is devouring each other. <laughs> Which I would argue, you know, 
like a lot of the show, has perhaps some homoerotic subtext to it. Sure. It seems like there's a lot of just like this this running throughout the series. Uh, but it is uh, it, it is really like like an unexpected way of this to progress. Oh. Uh, Baro goes, Baro scores, and Nagi's like, the king is back, and Team White wins five to four. Uh, Baro uh, goes, uh, Asagi goes for a high five. Baro denies him, grabs him by the shirt cuff, and says, don't call me donkey anymore. Bar- <laughs> and, and Asagi's like, okay. No ce- no joy, no celebration. No. Just like, fuck you. Yeah. I figured out what I have to do. I do it by myself, but harder. Yeah. Get really mad when somebody makes me mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he's still calling Nagi Mr. Hassleman. Uh, won't call him by his name. And Bar- but Baro does say, you, you two are the first people who stole the lead from me, and that led to me figuring out how to dominate the field as a villain, how to be a field villain. And we see we pop out from all this, this, this in-game action that has been the past two episodes, to Henri Teori and Ego, and they're watching, and Teori's like, was this the plan? Was this Ego's plan all along? And Ego's like, no. And Ego spells out his life philosophy, which is also just absolutely fucking insane. <laughs> he just talks about how despair is such an important part of the the despair. The, the the what distinguishes the elite from the common folk is that they feel true despair when they lose. They don't rationalize it. They don't make excuses. They're like, "This is a failure." And this makes me feel horrible, and this motivates me to win again because I never want this feeling again. And even the most elite strikers are going to lose some matches. And so it's important to have that as part of your essence. Ego's also like, if you don't achieve your dreams, life is worthless. And he's like, he's he's basically like, all these people who are just like, oh, you know, hey, I, I play guitar as a hobby. There's like a sequence of a bunch of people, a shot of a bunch of different people just doing various crafts for, for the fun of it, for the joy of it. And he's basically saying like, all the people who do that for the pursuit alone are fooling themselves. They're dream doping. Yes. The only reason thing that makes life worth living is achieving your dream <laughs> and not being a failure. And these people... <laughs> You said it perfectly. They're having yeah. the time of their life. Like they're that, that's what I that's what I like is that, that everyone they're depicting is like ha, is like joyous. They're all like having fun. They're just like, oh yeah, I do it. I, I I'm drawing a little something on an easel. And this I, is just for funsies. It goes like re- that sucks. I, yeah, I really <laughs> hope. Waste. I really really hope that this show doesn't fucking take a turn and like at the end is like it was all about teamwork all along. I hope the end of this episode or the end of this show is Isagi kicking Ego's head off into a goal. <laughs> uh, Chigiri Mikage and Kunigame, as as Ego was saying all this, they're all ruminating over their defeat. They're all like, this, uh, like, what if only this had happened? Like, I just wasn't, Kunigami's like, I just wasn't good enough. There's just no, no matter what, I could not have beaten them. And the cliffhanger we end on is, so who do you want to pick? And Team White is deciding which of these three players they're going to poach. I honestly am not sure. I th- I thought I had an idea. We're going to find out in the next episode, I imagine. But I I think they could that the show consistently has a way to surprise us. So I'm 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 not not going to wager a guess. It's got to be speed. It's got to be speed. Here here's what I'll say. I'll, I'll just I'll just say my theory. We none of us have watched the next episode. I think we've set up so much about how Mikage is. 
you know, like he controls the field. He's good at everything. He has that existing chemistry with Nagi. Chigiri has the speed. It's a really clear attribute. For those reasons, I think it's going to be Kunigami. And there's going to be some different explanation as to why he's the pick. And also, I think that ties in with <clears throat> he is the one who has who was actually he was the one who was actually despairing when he was defeated, mm-hmm. which is what Ego was talking about. I could be completely wrong. We're going to find out. Speed. Matt, you got a you got a guess? I, I I like I like both those guesses. Uh, I don't I, I'm I I I don't have a guess of my own. Uh, but I I I like both those theories, and I'm going to be interested to see who's right and who's wrong. It's going to be speed. It's got to be speed. It's got to be speed. It might be speed. Because the show is just about elevating the most interesting, like the character that is most developed on the side. And like the, the Nagi is like the second in command of the show now. And it was because mm-hmm. you're introduced to him and it's like, oh, that guy's interesting. F- yeah, let's make the fucking show about him. Like, yeah. I feel like, I feel like we know speed better than anybody else on that squad. Therefore, speed is brought in. Chigiri also evolved. Yeah, which is which. Yeah. Is, which the other two players on that team didn't. Yeah. And he's got the best character design, which is probably and it makes you think that he was yep. planned on being centered anyway. So yeah, I think there's a good argument for Chigiri. I still think it might be Kunigami. Uh, I do think that it's going to be. I'm interested to see how Mikage reacts when he's not chosen for Nagi's squad. When Nagi's whole thing was like, "We're going to reunite." It's going to be, be brutal. Additional great. time. Additional time is Henri Terry's Blue Lock Journal. Sort of a different sort of additional time here. She's got this jam-packed, like, Mark Wahlberg-esque calendar. Uh, wakes up at 2 a.m. to pray uh, and, and play a round of golf. It's 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 just like she, every single thing she's doing is planned out to the hour, and we're just spending time there. Uh, where we ultimately land is, after seeing all this, she makes Ego a healthy meal for once because she all he eats is, is processed cup noodles. And uh, she hands it to him, and he's got she's got like steamed vegetables and salad, and he just blasts it with a huge thing of of cupai mayo, uh, and then um, and hot sauce, and uh, he's like, oh, this is a nice change of pace. But she's pissed off. Any other thoughts on episode eighteen? I I'm just glad that we all thought this was as funny as yeah it's, as it was. It's so funny. It's so psychotic. <laughs> Like, truly, like, big laughs, like, I mean, I laughed harder at this than I've laughed at a lot of things recently that are, like, billed as comedy, you know? No, I 100%. Yep. Well, hey, those were our thoughts on episodes 17 and 18 of Blue Lock. And you sent in your thoughts on episode 15, Devour, and episode 16, Trifusion, of this show. It's time. For Chain Reactions, Blue Talk. 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 And so I'm thinking about how we spell Blue Talk. You know, I'm seeing it as one word, but there's also an extra W in there somewhere. Talk. Talk. Blue Talk. Blue Talk. The L and the K are still there, but there's also a W. Mm. Yeah. It's just part of it. Mm. Um, this first one, PBR Hipster 420. What's up? Hello again. Hey, buddy. I almost feel bad for Baro 
And then he got called a donkey, and I absolutely lost it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this uh, this show, man it it really makes you root for almost everybody. Yeah, it's yeah. painful. It's painful to watch anybody get slighted, even borrow. But there's also kind of like a wrestling aspect to it, which is a part of pro sports at large of, you know, it's kind of fun to watch someone get owned. And yes. I think that, that, that you know, maybe I, I couldn't quite read that reaction, whether it was positive or negative to whether it was enthusiasm, like I lost it because I was so, I thought it was so great or I lost it because I was so upset, but I could see either reading mm. to, either yep. reaction to Barrow getting uh, dunked on. Yep. It's it, hey, it's it's no matter what, whoever lo- whoever loses, we win. It's always it's good. True. Um, this one is this next one is from two by two. Hi, two by two. Hello, two by two. Hi, Hi four. You- oh, Nick, just doing the math. You can. I didn't know you could think that fast. It's a lot about me you maybe don't know. Oh, oh he's got that monster in him. Mm-hmm. For context, uh, before we started this segment, off off pod, the boys were like, let's let's really knock this one out. <laughs> yeah. Let's 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 really let's you know bang through a couple of these. Yeah, sure. I think we're doing that. I think we're on we're, pace. Doing, we're doing it. Hey, there's always time for a little quick arithmetic. Um anyway. I know you guys keep talking about how this is a fighting show and it isn't actually about sports, but the longer it goes on, the more convinced I am the people who make it love IRL soccer so much. Some of the stuff about ghosting in behind some of the stuff about ghosting in behind the defenders or egos explanation of why past stars didn't make it is so spot on. It's so specific in the weeds for soccer nerds. It's like slipping the Akira bike slide in, but for sportos. Interesting. That's great context because you know, I don't none of us follow football and so uh and i'm the biggest sporto among the three of us but really i'm i'm it's only really one or two disciplines i i think the that's interesting that it speaks to a knowledge of the sport beyond like the kind of research you do when it's like okay i gotta figure out what this thing is let me read some books let me read some you know wikipedia entries uh this actually comes from someone who would have who has a a a fandom true fandom for it that's interesting context I th- I think it's interesting because it it I I wonder if the same feeling applies to Ted Lasso, which mm. I know is made by huge soccer nerds, like yeah. deep 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 soccer nerds. But I don't know if that comes across in the show because you're not getting like I've never heard the phrase nutmeg until this show, mm-hmm. and I think they use mm. it in multiple episodes throughout, or like a reverse double cross and heel kick. Yeah. Oh, whoa! Like all that stuff. I, this is my first exposure to it because I'm I'm pretty familiar with nutmeg uh, because it's one don't of my favorite you, spices. Don't. Oh my god. <laughs> right, let's bang this one out. Uh, this next one's from Drew Carrymore. Great name. Hi, Drew. Great name. Really good. Why not combine two? Two of the all-time greats. Uh, Great portmanteau. Like Nick, I'm primarily an NBA fan. I feel like Isagi's archetype reminds me so much of Chris Paul. 
as a wrestling fan, Nagi reminds me of Orange Cassidy. Are there any real life mm. people the characters remind you of? Hmm. Those are both good calls. So, so for context, Chris Paul is a wily veteran who has been in the league for a long time. He's one of the older players in the NBA. He's pl- currently plays for the Phoenix Suns. He's a point guard. I've met him before in person, actually. Okay. And he is shorter than me, but one of the best NBA players of all time. Um, his whole thing is that he just is is extremely crafty, can see the whole court, knows where everyone is going to be, and can figure out like where where exactly to both places, passes, and how to manipulate the defense into doing what he wants. So yeah, as a, as, as a one-to-one with Asagi, it's pretty, that's pretty on point. That's a good observation. Orange Cassidy, for, for contrast, Heather, you may know Orange Cassidy. I'm not sure if he was around when you were going to, to BWG. But he is like a he's an AEW now, and his whole thing is that he's a wrestler, and his pretty much his gimmick is that he just does not give a shit. He like just does not give a That's fuck. So it's fucking it's funny. so engaging. <laughs> it's just like he just is. It's really funny. He just is complete lazy laziness and disengagement, and then just stumbles his way towards victory by frustrating his opponents. It's great. Yeah. Um. His- and so asking for other other examples, I mean, Barrow is such a hothead. There's got to be other. Uh, analogous yeah. hotheads. I'm not sure if if we're thinking just in sports, uh, or or in terms of um, because a lot of times like a bit like a guy who's big is someone like Shaq, who's like, oh, this guy's huge, but per, on a per from a personal standpoint, he's kind of like a playful sort of goofball. Yeah, you know, he just like he doesn't have to show any sort of a- a- aggression beyond his sheer size. Uh, but you know, Barrow is is very much the opposite. Barrow is just like this gigantic machine. I guess there's probably like a, uh, you know, like a a, a a um, like a Wardlow in AEW kind of is kind of like that, like just like a big dominant monster. Uh, it's not that's that's not perfect. Um. Yeah, it's it's tricky to it's tricky to unpack on the fly, but I think those are good examples. What you sent in. Yeah, I, I, all the, all the athletes that I like can say that I know by name mm-hmm. are on the Dodgers, on the, on the baseball team, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Sure. Um, and I have like a group chat where we talk about the Dodgers and stuff. And like, it's like, a, it's like a fun group chat, but I don't, I can't tell if we're assigning personalities to these pe- people, you know what I mean? Just like based on how they seem. Like yeah. when, um, like when Cody Bellinger was on the team. Now he's on the Chicago Cubs. Um, we would just joke that he was kind of like a doofy kind of like stoner guy, like because he was always just like he just he didn't ever seem like he was going on, but he hits dingers. Mm. Um, so I don't know who that would be in in Blue Lock. Um, and then Mookie Betts is like he's goaded right now. Everybody loves Mookie. Um, yeah, but. I don't know who he who would he would be either. So um, my chime in is to say I don't know how to participate. You know who? Uh, you know, Baroka is maybe like kind of like a Brock Lesnar in pro mm. wrestling. Just a just an absolute fucking Goliath who goes in there who everyone's afraid of. That's good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I um, don't know any of this shit. What are you guys <laughs> talking about? <laughs> Got my ass. That was good. Uh. Here, how about one more? This oh, one's yeah. fr- this one's from Trey Johnson. Hi, Trey. What's up, Trey? Hello, we, Trey. We gotta talk about the puzzle piece animations. Also, if you're gonna try to make a bathhouse scene sexy, you gotta give Nagi cakes. Hmm. I I think that's a good point on the 
the latter half of that email. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he is a slender guy. He's got kind of a slender build. I mean, I if guess he, he could give Nagi cakes, give everybody a huge ass. Who cares? Yeah, he, he, I guess he would have. You just have to be like, oh, he's got developed glutes because that's how he, you know, because he's he works out. That's where he stores he's, his monster. Yeah. Like he's jumping backwards in a, like and flipping his body around. You're gonna have a butt. There, there is a movement I've I, like in sports in recent years to kind of get away from the massively muscled build and sort of get a little bit sle- like more slender, a little bit more like like just like lean mass, which is interesting. For the longest time, it was just like, oh, guys are getting bigger and bigger, and now they're like, oh wait, the, all this mass is actually taxing your body, mm-hmm. and you know if you want to if you want to do a motion like throwing a ball, it's actually better to have a little less muscle on your frame, um, but. All that said, uh, yeah, I think the bathhouse scene was 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 adequately uh, uh, hot, but I think yeah, yeah that this maybe could have done more. I, I, I'm fine with that. Hey, maybe they'll return to the bathhouse. Uh, I was going to take baths sometime. I forgot the first part of the email. Uh, yeah, we got distracted about their butts. Um, <laughs> we got to talk about the puzzle piece animations. I think we talk about it a little bit, but it, 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 every time I see it, I'm absolutely delighted by it. I love it. It's it's such a neat. Um, uh, visualization of like what th- that like particular feeling must feel like. Well, and they're not just reusing them either. No, it's like it's always like a di- you know it's from a different angle, a different part of someone's skull is being reassembled or disassembled. And yeah, it's it's just a it's a, it's a striking visual metaphor. Yeah, I'm I'm happy anytime I see it. It'd be interesting to think. Uh, or to know, because like you, you just said it's like from different angles and stuff, and d- a different part of people's skull. I wonder if there's any correlation to uh, where that like neural center is in your brain, like where you could process like that type of idea or something like that. I don't know actually how the brain mm. works, or if that's even true. No, uh, that's absolutely you know yeah. I mean? are, the, are these are these puzzle pe- these puzzle pieces all going to the hypothalamus or something? Yeah, like, are they all like oh, oh wait, they actually thought about which part of the cerebellum, uh, you know, this particular aspect of locomotion would be you know, uh, centered in. I, yeah, I, I don't know if they went to that level of detail, but hey, maybe they did. Either way, it looks cool as hell. You know, every time I think about something, my brain falls apart and turns into a puzzle that just scatters all over my desk. And I got to say, <laughs> extremely accurate animation in this show. Yeah. Yeah. If it were I'll me. I'll just shit and piss myself when that happens. Oh, okay. Like, yes. just, like, sure. I sweat profusely. And I make this sound that because, like, my head is gone that comes up out of my throat that's like, <laughs> when I when I visualize my brain in like learning something, I like see my brain whole, right? Mm, sure. Like it's whole. Um, and I go to reach for it, and as I reach for it, it turns into like soup. Like it just like it becomes liquid as I touch it, and I, it's mm. running through my hands. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. no! What what temperature is it? It's cold. Oh, well, that's a good spot, Joe. Got to heat it up. You guys, you guys see that interview recently with Jim Carrey where he's like, "I don't exist. I have no person. I've been a performance this entire time." Yeah, you I f- didn't see that. He he basically is like the person Jim Carrey is a character designed to get laughs at every expense like like just constant constant performance and that that person isn't real and doesn't exist and the real jim carrey doesn't exist anymore because he's surrounded himself with this like solar system these planets yeah 
anyway, sometimes on this show, I, I dissociate and I feel like that. Mm. I feel like when, none of when us specifically? are specifically. Well, I think when I made that throat noise, oh, I was like, "Am I real?" <laughs> getting it, get it, getting into the the deep thoughts here on the bottom half of the episode. In the blue talk, um, <laughs> I feel like as as far as puzzle pieces go, like at this stage in my life, my brain is so bad that I feel like I'm one of those like four piece puzzles <laughs> for like toddlers. <laughs> It's like in the shape of the sheep and you just have to put yeah. it there. Yeah. <laughs> it has a wooden peg sticking out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it for this week's Blue Talk for episodes 15 and 16. And we'll be reading 17 and 18 next week on the show. Wow. And until then, for all of us here at Get Animated, just a kindly reminder that it is you out there, the listener, who got animated. Wow. <laughs>